Dear listeners, are you tired of the endless cycle of fad diets and extreme measures? It's time to wake up to a better weight loss solution with Robody. As someone who's been through the ups and downs of weight loss, I know firsthand the challenge of trying to find what will stick. That's why if I qualified for Robody today, I'd jump at the chance for a scientifically backed program that supports long-term success. With Robody, you'll gain access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market, paired with personalized lifestyle changes. Over 200,000 people have already chosen Row to help them lose weight. Say goodbye to the roller coaster of weight loss dreams and hello to sustainable, real results with Robody. Go to row.co slash snoozecast. Sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash snoozecast. This episode is brought to you by Good Hosts. Tonight, for our 550th episode, we'll read about dinner party etiquette from the book Our Deportment, written by John H. Young and published in 1881. The word deportment has fallen out of usage starting in the 20th century but is defined simply as a person's behavior or manners. It comes from the similar French word, déportement. Let's get cozy. Close your eyes. Relax your body into the softness of your bed. Now, take a few deep breaths. Dinner giving and dining out. Dining should be ranked among the fine arts A knowledge of dinner table etiquette is all important in many respects, but chiefly in this, that it is regarded as one of the strong tests of good manners. Dinners are generally looked upon as entertainment for married people and the middle-aged, 
but it is often desirable to have some young unmarried persons among the guests. Whom to invite? Those invited should be of the same standing in society. They need not necessarily be friends, nor even acquaintances, but at dinner, as people come into closer contact than at a dance or any other kind of a party, those only should be invited to meet one another who move in the same class of circles. Care must, of course, be taken that those whom you think agreeable to each other are placed side by side around the festive board. Good talkers are invaluable at a dinner party. People who have fresh ideas and plenty of warm words to clothe them in. But good listeners are equally invaluable. Invitations Invitations to dinner parties are not usually sent by post in cities and are only answered by post where the distance is such as to make it inconvenient to send the note by hand. They are issued in the name of the gentleman and lady of the house from two to ten days in advance. They should be answered as soon as received, without fail, as it is necessary that the host and hostess should know who are to be their guests. If the invitation is accepted, the engagement should, on no account, be lightly broken. This rule is a binding one, as the non-arrival of an expected guest produces disarrangement of plans. Gentlemen cannot be invited without their wives, where other ladies than those of the family are present, nor ladies without their husbands, when other ladies are invited with their husbands. This rule has no exceptions. No more than three out of a family should be invited, unless the dinner party is a very large one. Manner of Writing Invitations The invitations should be written on small notepaper, which may have the initial letter or monogram stamped upon it. But good taste forbids anything more. The envelope should match the sheet of paper. The invitation should be issued in the name of the host and hostess. The form of invitations should be as follows. Mr and Mrs. Potter request the pleasure. An answer should be returned at once, so that if the invitation is declined, the hostess may modify her arrangements accordingly. Invitation accepted. An acceptance may be given in the following form, and may be sent either by post or messenger. Mr. and Mrs. Barton have much pleasure in accepting. Invitation declined.
the invitation is declined in the following manner. Mr. and Mrs. Barton regret or Mr. and Mrs. Barton regret whatever the cause for declining may be, it should be stated briefly yet plainly that there may be no occasion for misunderstanding or hard feelings. Invitation to Tea Party The invitation to a tea party may be less formal. It may take the form of a friendly note, something in this manner. Dear Miss Summer, Failing to fill an engagement When it becomes absolutely necessary to break an engagement once made for dinner or tea, a note must be sent at once to the hostess and host with full explanation of the cause so that your place may be supplied if possible. Punctuality The hour generally selected in cities is after business hours or from five to eight o'clock. In the country or villages, it may be an hour or two earlier. To be punctual at the hour mentioned is obligatory. If you are too early, you are in the way. If too late, you annoy the hostess. Cause impatience among the assembled guests and perhaps spoil the dinner. Fifteen minutes is the longest time required to wait for a tardy guest. The success of a dinner. A host and hostess generally judge of the success of a dinner by the manner in which conversation has been sustained. If it has flagged often, it is considered proof that the guests have not been congenial. But if a steady stream of talk has been kept up, it shows that they have smoothly amalgamated as a whole. No one should monopolize conversation unless he wishes to win for himself the appellation of a bore and be avoided as such. The Table Appointments A snow-white cloth of the finest damask, beautiful china, glistening or finely engraved glass, and polished plate are considered essential to a grand dinner. Choice flowers, ferns, and mosses tastefully arranged add much to the beauty of the table. A salt cellar should be within the reach of every guest. Napkins should be folded square and placed with a roll of bread upon each plate. The dessert is placed on the table amidst the flowers. 
A low dish of flowers graces the center. Stands of bonbons and confectionery are ranged on both sides of the table, which complete the decorations of the table. The name of each guest, written upon a card and placed one on each plate, marks the seat assigned. Assigning Partners for Dinner The number at a dinner should not be less than six, nor more than twelve or fourteen. Then the host will be able to designate to each gentleman the lady whom he is to conduct to the table. But when the number exceeds this limit, it is a good plan to have the name of each couple written upon a card and enclosed in an addressed envelope, ready to be handed to the gentleman by the servant before entering the drawing room, or left on a tray for the guests to select those which bear their names. If a gentleman finds upon his card the name of a lady with whom he is unacquainted, he requests the host to present him immediately after he has spoken with the hostess, also to any members of the family with whom he is not acquainted. Introductions All the guests should secure introductions to the one for whom the dinner is given. If two persons, unknown to each other, find themselves placed side by side at a table, they may enter into conversation without an introduction. Arrangements of guests at the table. When dinner is announced, the host offers his right arm to the lady he is to escort to the table. The others follow, arm in arm, the hostess being the last to leave the drawing room. Age should take the precedence in proceeding from the drawing room to the dining room the younger falling back until the elder have advanced. The host escorts the eldest lady, or the greatest stranger, or if there be a bride present, precedence is given to her, unless the dinner is given for another person, in which case he escorts the latter. The hostess is escorted either by the greatest stranger or some gentleman whom she wishes to place in the seat of honor, which is at her right. The host places the lady whom he escorts at his right. The seats of the host and hostess may be in the middle and at opposite sides of the table, or at the opposite ends. Husbands should not escort their wives or brothers their sisters, as this partakes of the nature of a family gathering.
Dinner a la Russe The latest and most satisfactory plan for serving dinners is the dinner a la Russe, the Russian style. All the food being placed upon a side table and servants do the carving and waiting. This style gives an opportunity for more profuse ornamentation of the table, which, as the meal progresses, does not become encumbered with partially empty dishes and platters. Duties of Servants The servants commence in passing the dishes, one upon the right of the host and one upon the right of the hostess. A master or mistress should never censure the servants at dinner. However things may go wrong, servants should wear thin-soled shoes that their steps may be noiseless, and if they should use napkins in serving, as is the English custom, instead of gloves, their hands and nails should be faultlessly clean. A good servant is never awkward. He avoids coughing, breathing hard, or treading on a lady's dress, never lets any article drop, and deposits plates, glasses, knives, forks, and spoons noiselessly. It is considered good form for a servant not to wear gloves in waiting at table, but to use a napkin with one corner wrapped around the thumb, that he may not touch the plates and dishes with the naked hand. Soup Soup is the first course. All should accept it, even if they let it remain untouched because it is better to make a pretense of eating until the next course is served than to sit waiting or compel the servants to serve one before the rest. Soup should not be called for a second time. A soup plate should never be tilted for the last spoonful. Fish Fish follows soup and must be eaten with a fork, unless fish knives are provided. If fish knives are not provided, a piece of bread in the left hand answers the purpose as well, with the fork in the right hand. Fish may be declined, but must not be called for a second time. The Side Dishes after soup and fish come the side dishes, which must be eaten with the fork. Though the knife is used in cutting meats and anything too hard for a fork. General Rules Regarding Dinner When the plate of each course is set before you, with the knife and fork upon it, Remove the knife and fork at once. This matter should be carefully attended to, as the serving of an entire course is delayed by neglecting to remove them. 
greediness should not be indulged in. Indecision must be avoided. Do not take up one piece and lay it down in favor of another or hesitate. Never allow the servant or the one who pours to fill your glass with wine that you do not wish to drink. You can check him by touching the rim of your glass. Cheese is eaten with a fork and not with a knife. If you have occasion to speak to a servant, wait until you can catch his eye and then ask in a low tone for what you want. The mouth should always be kept closed in eating, and both eating and drinking should be noiseless. Bread is broken at dinner. Vegetables are eaten with a fork. Asparagus can be taken up with the fingers if preferred. Olives and artichokes are always so eaten. Fruit is eaten with silver knives and forks. You are at liberty to refuse a dish that you do not wish to eat. If any course is set down before you that you do not wish, do not touch it. Never play with food, nor mince your bread, nor handle the glass and silver near you unnecessarily. Never reprove a waiter for negligence or improper conduct. That is the business of the host. When a dish is offered you, accept or refuse at once and allow the waiter to pass on. A gentleman will see that the lady whom he has escorted to the table is helped to all she wishes. But it is officiousness to offer to help other ladies who have escorts. If the guests pass the dishes to one another, instead of being helped by a servant, you should always help yourself from the dish, if you desire it at all, before passing it on to the next. A knife should never, on any account, be put into the mouth. Many people, even well-mannered in other respects, seem to regard this as an unnecessary regulation. But when we consider that it is a rule of etiquette, and that its violation causes surprise and disgust to many people, it is wisest to observe it. Be careful to remove the bones from fish before eating. If a bone inadvertently should get into the mouth, the lips must be covered with the napkin in removing it. Cherry stones and grape skins should be removed from the mouth as unobtrusively as possible, 
and deposited on the side of the plate. Never use a napkin in place of a handkerchief for wiping the forehead, face, or nose. Pastry should be eaten with a fork. Everything that can be cut without a knife should be eaten with the fork alone. Pudding may be eaten with a fork or spoon. Never lay your hand or play with your fingers upon the table. Do not toy with your knife, fork, or spoon. Make crumbs of your bread or draw imaginary lines upon the tablecloth. Never bite fruit. An apple, peach, or pear should be peeled with a knife, and all fruit should be broken or cut. Waiting on Others If a gentleman is seated by the side of a lady or elderly person, politeness requires him to save them all trouble of procuring for themselves anything to eat or drink, and of obtaining whatever they are in want of at the table, and he should be eager to offer them what he thinks may be the most to their taste. Praising Dishes A hostess should not express pride regarding what is on her table, nor make apologies if everything she offers you is not to her satisfaction. It is much better that she should observe silence in this respect and allow her guests to eulogize her dinner or not as they deem proper. Neither is it in good taste to urge guests to eat, nor to load their plates against their inclination. Monopolizing Conversation For one or two persons to monopolize a conversation, which ought to be general, is exceedingly rude. If the dinner party is a large one, you may converse with those near you. Raising the voice only loud enough to be distinctly heard by the persons you are talking with. Picking teeth at the table. It is a mark of rudeness to pick your teeth at the table, and it should always be avoided. To hold your hand or napkin over your mouth does not avoid the rudeness of the act. But if it becomes a matter of necessity to remove some obstacle from between the teeth, then your open mouth should be concealed by your hand or napkin. Selecting a particular dish. Never express a preference for any dish or any particular portion of a fowl or of meat unless requested to do so 
and then answer promptly that no time may be wasted in serving you and others after you. Duties of Hostess and Host Tact and self-possession are demanded of the hostess in order that she may perform her duties agreeably, which are not onerous. She should instruct her servants not to remove her plate until her guests have finished. If she speaks of any omission by which her servants have inconvenienced her guests, she must do it with dignity, not betraying any undue annoyance. She must put all her guests at their ease and pay every possible attention to the requirements of each and all around her. No accident must disturb her. No disappointment embarrass her. If her precious china and her rare glass are broken before her eyes, she must seem to take but little or no notice of it. The host must aid the hostess in her efforts. He should have ease and frankness of manner, a calmness of temper that nothing can ruffle, and a kindness of disposition that can never be exhausted. He must encourage the timid, draw out the silent, and direct conversation rather than sustain it himself. No matter what may go wrong, a hostess should never seem to notice it to the annoyance of her guests. By passing it over herself, it will very frequently escape the attention of others. If her guests arrive late, she should welcome them as cordially as if they had come early, but she will commit a rudeness to those who have arrived punctually. If she awaits dinner for tardy guests for more than the 15 minutes of grace prescribed by custom. Retiring from the table. When the hostess sees that all have finished, she looks at the lady who is sitting at the right of the host, and the company rise and withdraw in the order they are seated, without precedence. After retiring to the drawing room, the guests should intermingle in a social manner. It is expected that the guests will remain from one to three hours after dinner. <laughs>